0: hello folks and welcome to the a to z sports big orange podcast i am charlie burris here as always with my co-host and a to z sports tennessee writer or just writer in general zach reagan wherever you listen throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the big orange podcast. And if you want to listen to that regularly, go over to the A to Z sports podcast network feed and uh, rate review. And most importantly, subscribe. Cause if you subscribe, you won't miss these episodes when we drop them on Mondays. And if you want to see us go to youtube.com and type in a to Z sports, Nashville in the box there. And, uh, you will not only see the podcast when it uh, when we broadcast, but uh, you can watch it live, and you can tune in, and you can comment, and you can weigh in. Uh, and we love we love getting the comments from everybody here. We always talk about them. Love going back and forth with the folks to watch, and they're rolling in as I speak. So uh, go there, hit that subscribe button, hit the little notification bell, and uh, we'll have a good time. At Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports. Facebook.com slash A to Z sports Nashville and A to Z for everything Zach and I write on the old internet. Let's get to it. A few, we got a few people in here with us now. Hello, everybody. What a time to be alive, Zach. The Tennessee Volunteers. Walked into Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And they beat down LSU. Took them behind the woodshed. They, they, they were like your dad when you were younger. You did something stupid. And he takes the belt off and goes, all right, come here. And they just wore that butt out. Tennessee, 40, LSU, 13 what I I don't even know what to say Zach what what a day Alabama coming in this is crazy what's up man
1: yeah it's it's uh I was kind of laying in bed last night thinking like Tennessee there's always this conversation of is Tennessee back or or are they on the way back I'm like this is what you want right here Tennessee's number six they're legitimately the number six team in the country it's not Fool's gold I mean they're that good we've seen that these type of games you've imagined tennessee playing in for the last 15 years this game's a toss-up game it's gonna be predictions going both ways for this game i mean this is what you want if you're a tennessee fan so i think the 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 question is tennessee back is obviously very subjective but if this is what you've wanted this whole time i feel like this is they're back yeah i mean here they are playing in huge games again uh, that, that have a national audience that they have a chance to win and they're not building up to that anymore. Obviously they want to continue to add better players, add better recruits, add more talent, which they will under Josh Heupel. Um, but they're not, they're not building up to this. Like we keep seeing with these coaches that have been recycled through the years, like they're, they're here. They've arrived they're ready to play in a huge game and they might be able to knock off Alabama and who knows what happens from there. I mean, it could truly be a special season. And even if it's not a 12 and zero finish to the regular season, which is still a long shot, I'm not, you know, suggesting that, that it's not, it, it's still going to be an incredible season for Tennessee because 10 wins looks more likely than not at this point, And
0: that's, that's huge. It's crazy. Uh And you know, this, we talked about this moment coming into the season. We talked about this moment last week before it actually arrived. And it is still true right now. If it's crazy that we're here and that's incredible, but if Tennessee beats Alabama this week. Uh so somebody said this to me on Twitter and it's so perfect. He said I'll I'll be like a dog that finally catches that car. I I don't know what I'd do if I actually did it. Like what what will you do if Tennessee finally beats Alabama? I I I don't genuinely know, but I'll be on the post game show with Jonathan Crompton, so whatever it is, you'll get to watch it live. Whatever happens, you'll get to see me um go go crazy, I guess. But um
1: well, I thought I thought the the best scene from the weekend was all of the videos you saw of Tennessee fans leaving Tiger Stadium when it was nothing but Tennessee fans left, which was – that was incredible just seeing the stands full of nothing but Tennessee fans, you know, 10 minutes after the game. But seeing how happy the fans were leaving the stadium, you could just tell how much that moment meant to every single person. No matter if you've been a negative fan, an overly positive fan, you've all suffered the same as far as the results that have happened. And it was just such a wonderful moment because that's that game that, uh, you know, the Florida win was huge. And but the LSU win to go on the road to be a team that you haven't beat since 2005. It's just the thing that you've been dreaming of. Like, when is it all going to work out? And it finally did. And it finally is working out for Tennessee. And just the reaction of the fans. I think the players saw that. You know, they saw the videos on social media. They're loving it. They feel the love from the fan base. Uh, you know, they're feeling pretty proud that they can deliver something for the fans to cheer about and it's just such a such a nice moment just to see those fans be able to to relish that moment.
0: Well b- before we get into the full preview of the the Alabama game and obviously that's going to be the bulk of this show. Um yeah, with that LSU game, it was so striking to me because Tennessee, it was so businesslike and I'm so not used to that with Tennessee in that giant spot where the pressure's on you, you're the better team, especially on the road, in one of the toughest environments in college football. And I, yeah, everybody, they they squawked about the start time all week, but at the end of the day, Tennessee was going to beat them down, whether that game happened at night, whether it happened at 3 in the morning. It doesn't matter. Tennessee was the better team, and LSU, I mean, they fumbled the opening kickoff. It was over when it started. And I I was just so struck by that because it's so alien to me as a Tennessee fan at this point. (laughs) Like, when is the last time this happened where Tennessee went into a huge game, like a real, you know, you you, you win this, and it's a special season. You really, like, are on to something with this win. And the team across from you is similarly talented. I know a lot of, and there's been so many talking points about, oh, LSU just sucks. Well, Tennessee beat them by 30 guys beat them by 30. Like this isn't just some, oh, they slipped by like Alabama somehow barely beating a dump A&M team. Like this isn't that (laughs) you went in and you just smacked them upside the head and that's, that's what just caught me so off guard about this. I expected this game to be close. I did predict Tennessee would win by two touchdowns, but I predicted that it would be close. And then Tennessee pulls away right at the end just because they have such better, uh, offense. And that, I mean, it wasn't a complete embarrassment from LSU. Like Tennessee just him out. And I, I don't know. I, I can't say <laughs> enough about what happened there. Um, because you just you got excellent performances, not just from the offense, but from the defense. Like that was a huge part of it that was shocking, too, because you were sort of expecting like, oh, what if Daniels has a star making performance against this? The secondary is not very good. Well, the secondary played pretty decent. And then the defensive line was monstrous and they only scored 13 points and you won by 30. I, like, I, I don't know, man, I, I I said a ton of that on the show with Crompton after the game. Um, but I haven't gotten it out of my system yet. I still it's still it was still so shocking. Uh and and in a great way. I mean, I had a ton of fun. It was stress free. Couldn't believe it. Yeah,
1: not many stress free uh Tennessee games like that. I mean, even the Florida game, you had a little stress there at the end, even though Tennessee pretty much dominated them as well. I mean, Florida had some things go their way that made that game closer than it should have been at the end. But this LSU game, just to see not not just the way Tennessee beat them, but they thoroughly out coached Brian Kelly, yeah. a coach, a coach that has taken Notre Dame to college football playoff. And whatever you think about Brian Kelly, it's not easy to take Notre Dame to the playoff. It's harder to get players there at times. It's not the same as it as it was in the 90s and, and before. I mean, that's a that's a tough job. It's the reason he left to go to LSU so he could get the players, so he could get SEC talent and potentially win a championship. And and who knows, maybe he will, maybe he'll figure it out. There's there's a bad culture at, at LSU that he took over. But that has nothing to do with the decisions that he made. And it was one of your keys to the game that Josh will need to dictate how the game was played. And he's done that every single game this year, whether it was Ball State, Florida, Pittsburgh, now LSU. They're, they're having to adjust to what Tennessee does. And that automatically gives Tennessee an advantage because Tennessee's playing their game. They're not having to change what they do. They have to execute still and they still have to defend the other team's offense, obviously. But they're they're changing the way teams play the game. They changed the way Florida played the game. They went for it aggressively. LSU tried to do the same thing. I don't. I don't think they converted a single one of their fourth downs. So Tennessee was able to stop LSU, whereas you know they didn't stop Florida. So one that shows some progress is being made. But just the way that Josh Heupel, I just said, out coached him. Had Brian Kelly, I thought frazzled. You know he should have taken a field goal at one point, got some points on the board, and he didn't. Came away with nothing. The decision to go for it on fourth and ten, from I believe they were like near midfield at the at the time, with you know twenty eight, thirty seconds left in the half. I mean that you punt there, Tennessee has no timeouts. Yes, they move the ball fast, but it would have been hard for them to, to get into field goal range, stop the clock, and, and probably would have been a long field goal. It would have been unlikely that they would have scored three points there. And especially with t- knowing that Tennessee's getting the ball coming out of the half, LSU's just got to go to the locker room at that point. And he was so frazzled by Tennessee's offense and what they can do that he made a irrational decision and it came back to bite him. So that's the thing that if you're a Tennessee fan, I think should really excite you. It's just the fact that, that Hypol is dictating how these games are played and he's kind of, you know he's not going to be perfect. He's going to make some mistakes, and he's he's made some questionable calls at times this year. Uh, like like any coach, even Nick Saban, but for the most part, he's winning the coaching battle. And when was the last time you said that about Tennessee on a consistent basis?
0: He he just makes opposing coaches panic. They they just go like, well, we have to score. We have to. This is it's going to be a shootout. Clearly, they're they're moving the ball on. I mean, with Hinton Hooker quarterback right now, that's Tennessee is a dolphin through water with this offense. Like
1: before before we hit this promo, how uh, just between the viewers and us, everybody, I mean, I feel like everybody thought that when Hooker threw that bomb to Jalen Hyatt, that he had overthrown Hyatt. I I tweeted it out and a lot of people agreed. I mean, he he, that ball looked like it was going to land three or four yards past Hyatt and here he comes with his insane speed. You can tell that they've practiced a lot together, obviously, right? Hooker knew exactly where to put that ball to where only Hyatt could catch it and that Hyatt would catch it and it worked out perfectly. I mean, that was as beautiful of a play as I've seen from from a Tennessee offense in a long time. And that was – that one got me excited just to
0: see. Mm. that. Everything about that game. I I love Brittany Campbell and the – comments right here she said we handed brian kelly his biggest home loss since he's been coaching in fbs me and crompson talked about this on the show i mean you broke you broke him (laughs) you broke brian kelly (laughs) it was just welcome to the sec
1: it's not just the sec west like you thought was going to be the gauntlet i mean yeah when you play a a tennessee team that has got beaten up by the sec west for a long time and that i mean that's the other thing Is like you don't tennessee doesn't do that to sec west teams even when they've played mississippi state you know they did get a win a couple of years ago close game they barely kind of beat an auburn team that, that was probably a little overranked i mean they did, they just don't go into the sec west and win these games like they haven't done that in the last 15 years and Hypels just you know that's not a big deal i'll go down there and handle business and we'll you know move on to the next one and that's his whole mentality too
0: yeah, it was wild. Well, we're going to talk about what all of that means for the Alabama game um, and the the big development that came out overnight and some unfortunate mm-hmm. news. Uh, Jalen McCullough, your starting safety arrested on a felony aggravated assault charge. We'll talk about all that, what it means for this Alabama game right after I tell you about Superbook Sports, our amazing sponsor. Can you beat Vegas this football season? Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head to head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere. So, download the Superbook Sports app or visit superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call 1 800. Eight eight nine nine seven eight nine. That is SuperBook Sports. Great app. Won me some money over the weekend on SuperBook. Uh, Trying. Uh, I forget even the couple of things that I bet on, but nonetheless, uh, they I got hooked up on there. Got my bets in. Made a little bit of dough. And Zach Tennessee in this game, at least on SuperBook Sports, as of like an hour ago. Tennessee um, was a seven and a half point underdog in this game uh against Alabama. And I I see that line and it just feels like to me there is history built into that. Not current season analysis built into that. Where Texas and M with a quarterback technically a backup quarterback it's really sort of one-a- 1B with the guys they have, but the other guy got injured. The guy who was starting got injured and they're playing the other guy. An A&M team with that setup came in and was on the goal line and they're basically one horrific play call away from beating Alabama. Tennessee goes into Death Valley and smashes LSU. And seven and a half point favorite inside Neyland Stadium with 102,000 people breathing down your neck and they're all going to be Rabid and they got all day to get liquored up and seven and a half point favorite. It just feels like it, and and you don't even know if Bryce Young is going to play. I think that is built into that number a little bit. They're probably giving Bama. I like. I I gotta assume if Bryce Young was for sure playing, Tennessee is a what eleven point underdog. Maybe like I I don't know. It it just seemed. Uh, no no offense to Superbook, I guess. Um, they are our great sponsor. Uh, but that's uh, that was across the board in Las Vegas. It was something yeah. like that seven, eight. Um, maybe it'll come down throughout the week. But it just felt like, oh, well, Alabama always beats Tennessee. Of course, they're in eight-point favorite. Like the, I, maybe I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, it does feel that way to some extent. I mean, if it was number three Michigan and number six, um, I don't know if if it was uh, Ohio State had or number three Ohio State, number six Michigan, is it the same spread? Uh, it feels like it'd probably be like a field goal uh, one way or the other. I think it is definitely the history there with Tennessee and Alabama, which to some extent I do understand because it's like you've talked about with the Florida game. You know, it, it's it's Alabama until Tennessee proves otherwise. So I can understand that, you know, they've only beat Nick Saban once ever back in 2001 during the regular season when he was at LSU. So it's still, I mean, it's, Yes, Tennessee has a great chance to win this game. But it, even if Bryce Young doesn't play, it's still Nick Saban, still a lot of talented players. So it's still going to be a tough game, no matter who's a quarterback. Uh,
0: in my opinion, yeah, I, I do think if Milroe is the quarterback, I think they're going to do whatever they can to get uh, to get Young to play. But if Milrow is a quarterback, Tennessee should be the favorite in this game, personally. But regardless. I mean, they got they got to They have to play. Bryce Young if he's you have to. healthy
1: because this is their season I mean yes Nick Saban is already referred to last year which I thought was silly what they lost one regular season game and then the national championship game referred to it as kind of a rebuilding year for Alabama well if you go lose to Tennessee for the first time in 16 years in 2022 what does Nick Saban then say about you know the 2022 season uh, obviously yep. I don't think Nick Saban's going to ever catch too much criticism for losing a game or two, but it's going to make that rebuilding comment look a little, little silly. But you know, it, it, when you look at Alabama's schedule, this is probably their their toughest test left before the uh, SEC championship game, if, assuming they they get there, which I think they will. So yeah, this is this is their season. This is their their chance that they can lose the national championship uh, if they lose to Tennessee. This weekend, still possible they could make it if they run the table, and win the SEC championship game, of course. But you lose to Tennessee, and suddenly, you know, you're looking real vulnerable. There's a lot of other teams that might that might actually leapfrog Alabama at, at that point.
0: Yeah, because they have to consider now how good Georgia is. They th- usually it's been, oh well, Alabama made the SEC championship game; they're just gonna stomp. Yeah, they're it an they're auto, yeah. Um, that's not the case anymore. So at least that's one fine thing about Georgia being ridiculously good i'll take it you know (laughs) i hate every other part of it but at least there's that um okay so Jalen mccullough you're starting safety overnight uh or it wasn't even overnight what was it 3 30 in the afternoon yesterday on sunday late last night when the news kind of started
1: yeah filtering out
0: He, he actually got booked by police at like 9 30 last night something like that um so the story is this, I read the full actual police report uh, from the, the sheriff's office. Um, so this drunk kid is in, drunk in the middle of the afternoon, uh, is drinking in the same apartment complex that Jalen McCullough lives in. This drunk kid accidentally goes to his door, thinking it is his friend's uh, apartment, and walks in. This is where the context is missing um, in this. We don't Really know what happened here. The victim being this kid says that he immediately left and and said, Oh, I'm sorry, and walked out. That's what he says. And then Jalen McCullough follows him out, according to the police report. Um, and an incident ensues where McCullough punches him in the face and he goes flying down a flight of stairs, is knocked out cold, has his has multiple teeth knocked out, said the police report says. Um And then uh, McCullough is, without incident, booked on felony aggravated assault charges. Uh, It's not good at all. Uh, Don't know if even if somebody walks into your house like that, uh, clearly don't punch them and send them down a flight of stairs. But (laughs) this is a weird situation. And Ben Hall says it was Jalen's girlfriend's apartment. I, I don't know if that's been confirmed or denied. Uh, I would assume that's probably true. And a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of people have been looking into this like it's the fricking Zapruder film. So, um, <laughs> but uh, it, just a weird situation all around because it could have been completely avoided if this drunk kid doesn't go into the wrong apartment. That's what sucks about it from the jump and makes me ill about the whole situation because you just go, this fell into Jalen McCullough's lap and it's this ridiculous situation. Also, don't chase the kid outside. Even even if he insulted you or whatever, just don't. You, you know, you're having an amazing opportunity, Bam a Week. You're a starter on this team that's doing amazing things. Just don't. Just don't. And, you know, so you have to say that from there. Uh, but it did happen. It does feel like an incident where... He's probably going to do his penance. I he, I don't think he's playing this week. It hasn't been. Jo- Josh Heupel said today he found out about it yesterday. He has no comment. That was essentially what he said in his press conference today. Um, and and I I think it it feels like a situation where McCullough is going to do his penance this week, maybe another week, and then he comes back. Although I've I would say that maybe the charges need to be dropped. I don't know if that can happen. There's, um, there's a lot of context there that you have to be involved in the situation to know, but, uh, that is what happened. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Zach. Yeah. I mean, obviously
1: anything like this, especially, you know, we're 24 hours out from it happening, you know, 16, 18 hours out from finding out about it. So uh, there's a lot of speculation going on by all of us at this point. And McCullough maintains that he's innocent. Uh, or that it was justified, I guess his statement said statement from his attorney said, Mr. McCullough is cooperating fully with the university and Knoxville police department's investigation into these allegations. He looks forward to a speedy resolution to the matter and maintains his complete innocence. What's it pretty standard statement for, for anybody in this situation, but the whole thing is so strange. Like you said, I mean, I think the police report said it's a completely separate building, right? So there's a lot of context that we don't officially know. Is there a previous connection between any of the parties involved? Is there any sort of drama going on that, that that isn't talked about in the police report? Have they had issues before? I mean, there's all kinds of different things and uh, going on here. And I, I imagine there's a lot of context that's not included in the police report. And we'll probably find out in the coming days, maybe weeks. I, I do think though, it's a situation where, like you said, he's probably not going to play this weekend because this stuff doesn't get resolved in a matter of days, typically. I mean, we've seen it before with situations. I mean, the the deal with A.J. Johnson back in 2014 was not resolved for four years. I mean, that's obviously a much different and much more serious situation. Um, but it's just an example of how long it can take to kind of resolve some of this stuff. And I don't, I don't think that'll be the case here, and certainly hope it's not. But I wouldn't look for him to be ready to go uh, by Saturday just because of the situation.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe that
1: changes. Maybe maybe a lot of information comes out and, and we're able to uh, they're able to clear him. Who knows? We'll find out. One thing I thought was interesting, though. Um Josh Heupel today said he didn't find out about it until late last night, which I assume means he didn't find out about it till most of us were finding out about it whenever McCullough's. Arrest, you know, stuff went online and somebody found it via a search. I mean, I, I know I had somebody send it to me and it kind of started making the rounds after 11 Eastern time last night. If this happened at three o'clock in the afternoon, it made me immediately think of what Jeremy Pruitt said a few years ago whenever Jeremy Banks was arrested. And he talked about uh, in that video that was released when when he was on the phone, I guess, with, with the officer that arrested Banks. He talked about I've never I've never been in a place that, that handles things like this. And I assume the context there is that the police didn't give him a heads up and kind of let him know what was going on with the player with the, I'm not suggesting that the police should just like gloss over anything or hide it because it's a football player. Like that's, it's not the way the legal system works anywhere or should work because legal systems, legal system, no matter who you are. But you would think that Hypo would get kind of a heads up at like four o'clock in the afternoon that something has happened with one of his starting players. And the fact that he didn't, I don't know, it just made me think of that Pruitt comment a few years ago. It's like, well, what is kind of the situation there and and why don't they kind of give them a heads up? Apparently they do in other communities with, with colleges, it seems like.
0: Well, and he, something that was odd about this, just an observation, I actually have the police report open right here. Um. Yeah, so it happened at 1528. That would be 328 in the afternoon. He wasn't booked until 914 p.m. So there's an entire six-hour stretch there. I mean, did the processing take six hours? Did they, did he turn it? Well, it says he was arrested, read his his Miranda rights. I I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the whole arrest process there, but was there just, they sat there and, talked about it for three i don't know anywho um i mean it's a felonious assault charge i i don't personally think he'll play this week you can think about it whatever you want i think there's a lot of tennessee fans in the comments here that think he should play this week um i i don't i wasn't there oh whether you think he should
1: play or not doesn't really matter and even if the story comes out and it's pretty you know, clear that maybe he was in the right and this is weird situation going on. Even then you can't have a guy with a pending felony charge play like that. It's just not going to fly. And there's no way that Josh Heupel or, or Danny white was going to let that happen as much as they need him to play against Alabama, because they're very thin in the secondary. And that's like the one position unit where you really can't afford to lose anybody. Um, and luckily it's not a cornerback. I guess that would be a little worse than a safety. But, I mean, no matter the situation, like, it's just, it's not going to happen anywhere. You're not going to play a guy that has a, a pending felony charge. It's just, it's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, and uh, Megavall asked, is he out on bail? He was released on Monday morning, so he's not in jail at the moment. Um, at least that's what I saw. So,
1: the, did the police all- re- respond to the scene of the accident at 3? Something 328, whenever it happened.
0: Well, and this is part of the weird details here because it says the kids knocked out cold, and then Jalen McCullough's girlfriend goes and wakes him up and helps him up. Um, and then from there, the police sh- this is, I think, what it says the police showed up, and McCullough's not there. She calls him and says, Hey, the police are here. You got to come down here. So who knows how long mm-hmm. that time period was. I don't know um so but but then after he came back he it said he cooperated fully no incident taken you know blah blah blah, blah. um didn't say anything at the scene which you shouldn't do not to get too legal <laughs> don't say anything if you get arrested Never. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah nothing they, comes from that <laughs> yeah they're not your friend um and, but there's i i don't know i i could kind of break down the weird details there for a while, but I'll, I'll say this. I don't think he's playing this week. So let's go from there. And the, the rest of our analysis will be with that assumption that he's out. So this makes a difference in the defense for a huge reason to me. Is Jalen McCullough a killer at safety? No, he is not. Uh, he is uh, a essentially four year starter for you, but he just is not, he, he hasn't, you know, he's not Eric Berry in the secondary back there. He's just not that guy. Um, I, I think they can, they can find a suitable replacement, but your depth is that much worse. Um, the suitable replacement will probably be a couple of notches less good. (laughs) That's not a great way to say that, but you know what I mean? Not, not as good as McCullough. And then the big one to me, I I think that's generally fine because, I honestly, if Bryce Young plays and he's like 100% healthy, they're going to have a hard time no matter how you slice it. But I think the main thing is he's a team captain. He's a big senior leader. He's a very very useful voice in that locker room uh, from what I've heard. That's why people were kind of shocked by it is because he has a really good reputation. Mm -hmm. The the kid really is looked at as a great leader on this team, and I think people were pretty stunned that he was involved in something like this. Um, but fo- folks are already saying it over here. Um, it, it would be Wesley Walker. Uh, it would be Danico Slaughter. It would be potentially if you move Christian Charles over. I don't know if you want to throw somebody in against Alabama and that's sort of a first go around there. That seems scary, but maybe. Um, they, but- do,
1: they they do cross. They do cross train, kind of like Pruitt did. They do. They, they, they do. do. You know, and Charles probably is better suited to play safety uh, with just his skill set. But he's
0: kind of had to be forced into another
1: role because of Tennessee's lack of depth.
0: Uh, Brittany Campbell in the comments says open tryouts for the position. Maybe they could go that route. I don't know, (laughs) but
1: the only concerning thing to me is the continuity because communication in your, in your secondary is so important, especially at safety where you got to know, you know, okay, you got this guy, you kind of feed off of each other and you can kind of feel what your other safety, you know, in in this situation, Trayvon flowers, you kind of feel what he's going to do and where you need to go. And when you throw somebody new into the mix, there's potential for confusion, some some kind of mix-ups, mix and you can't afford to give up a big play against Alabama because your safety's in their own spot because Tennessee's defense already is playing these soft coverages. And I think after watching them play against LSU, and I don't know that this is what Tim Banks is explicitly like telling Josh Heupel that he's doing, but it's kind of the result – it's this bend but don't break defense where they're, they're playing this these kind of soft coverages, these, these deep cover two, cover forward zone type stuff, preventing these big plays and giving up the short passes in front of them. And they're letting teams get down close to the red zone. And when the field shortens up a bit, Tennessee feels like they can defend it better. And they're getting them into these fourth down situations in the red zone. Like they're playing pretty decent red zone defense. So yeah, not perfect, but pretty good. And I think they like their chances. Like, okay, if we stop them on three out of four fourth downs in the red zone, we got a pretty good chance to win. And I think he's doing that to compensate for the lack of talent in the secondary and in the linebacker group too. I mean, you got some, Jeremy Banks has is, is played well, but he still has, uh, he still has holes in his game specifically in coverage. So he's kind of doing that, I think, to compensate for the lack of talent and, and to some extent it's working. I mean, Tennessee's, giving up a ton of passing yards. They're right near the bottom or at the bottom in FBS and passing yards allowed, yet they have the number 22 scoring defense in the nation. And if you got the number two scoring offense in the nation and the number 22 scoring defense in the nation, there's a pretty good chance you're going to win 10 to 12 games. I mean, that's, that's really hard to play against. So his strategy is working. And I think that on one hand, it makes me think, okay, it's not a huge deal because your safety is just basically trying to keep everything in front of you but then that communication factor kind of gets thrown in there where the continuity I feel is very important between McCullough and flowers. And that's, that's the one area that would concern
0: me. It's, it's that it's the the fact that, yeah, the guy replacing him is probably not going to be it's just crazy exponentially worse. Uh, I really think they, they have a couple of guys underneath that'll do an admirable job. Um, but you just, that leadership's irreplaceable. That chemistry is irreplaceable. Uh, and, um, We'll see how it plays out. Because I, I, I'll I say this, too. Um, and we didn't cover this with the LSU game. Gerald Mincy unexpectedly goes out. Apparently didn't even make the trip um, to LSU. We really don't. Everything that happened there is completely unspecified. They said it was an injury. But then Hypel today said, oh, he just didn't play. Who knows? Yeah, he was very vague. <laughs> yeah. It's, who knows what, went, what happened there? But Gerald Mincy doesn't play. Well, J.J. Crawford comes in. Jeremiah Crawford. Um, and plays awesome. And I mean, he you know he he wasn't uh, wasn't like world's best offensive lineman out there, but against BJ Ojolari, the, the kid did it. I mean, he really played a solid game. He was I saw he was rated as like Tennessee's like number four offensive player by Pro Football. So uh like you can you can have with the with the way that Heupel so adamantly coaches this next man up mentality. I have confidence. That this isn't going to be devastating. I, I would put it that way. Does it concern me without a doubt? You do not want to lose a captain in this ridiculous way and have to fill in that role. But I mean, the the, the proof's there that these coaches know what they're doing. They've been great at developing. They've been great at, uh, at scheming. And so I, I, I hope with as much as they preach that next, next band up, everybody's prepared that this won't be uh, a giant detractor.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's certainly something to be concerned about, but I don't think it's the main storyline going into this game by any means. Um, this comment here is it, kind of get back to the defense just for a second. That that's part of what I think Tim Banks is doing. Like I said, the 12 to 15 Good plays point. to score. And not only does that, you know, give, it gives you more opportunities to create a turnover, too. The more plays the opposition runs, the more chances you have to to get a turnover there, too. So they're really, it's a unique, I'm, I'm more impressed by Tim Banks than I think I thought I was initially, especially after some of the early games in the season. I think he's a way smarter defensive coordinator than people realize, and I think he understands the limits of what he can do. I don't think this is the defense that he envisions himself having if he's got a lot of, you know, perfect talent across the board, a lot of four and five star guys. I think he wants to be naturally I think he wants to be much more aggressive. And we've seen him dial the pressure up in certain situations. I mean, Tennessee certainly got pressure uh, on Jaden Daniels specifically with their front four, like you kind of mentioned there with, with with Byron Young. But th- I mean that's just what he has to do. And and I I know he's taking a lot of heat because of the passing yards that, that Tennessee's given up. But again, I think it's by design to some extent, and I'm I'm kind of impressed by his strategy if that's indeed what he's doing. Because if so, I mean it's it's working. It's it's hard to deny that it is. I mean, Tennessee's five
0: and zero. Oh. Yeah, it it was pretty clear in that second half. I mean, you don't they weren't letting LSU move the ball. I'm sure if they could get them in a three and out, that's what they would like. But oh yeah, there's there's plenty of validity to. Okay, well LSU is taking their sweet time and running time off the clock. Uh it's okay that they have these long drives. That's totally fine. And they, you know, they scored that that touchdown that they scored, it was a long drive and it took forever and then they scored and you just kind of went, well this was basically a garbage time touchdown. This didn't even matter. And they totally took the air out of the ball by playing defense. So whether whether it was exactly intentional or not, um that, that is absolutely uh something that happened in that game. So I'm yeah, it's stressful to to watch them been like that and then against Florida, I mean, they 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 the were difference a few there times. was that
1: <laughs> Florida was able to convert the fourth downs, which yeah, I don't think most teams probably aren't going to do. And obviously the better team you play, the more likely they are to convert it, but if Florida doesn't get But half of those, because I think they got, what, five out of six in that game. If they only get three, you know, Tennessee wins by two touchdowns, and it's not even close. I mean, uh, that's that's what Florida had to do to even get close to Tennessee. So most games, that's probably not going to happen. Something else that Tennessee did against LSU, too, that they did not do against Florida is in the second half, in the fourth quarter, they were able to kind of sustain these drives where they were burning a little clock. We see them going into where they huddle a little bit, run some time off the clock, and then they kind of break out of their huddle, and they kind of sh- give that illusion of tempo where they run to the line real quick and then snap the ball. And that's something that we didn't see them do really well last year, and they were getting positive yards because Jabari Small was able to run the ball effectively, and they closed that game out and didn't really give LSU a chance to sneak back into the game the way they did Florida. So the week-to-week improvement, the game-to-game improvement there, I thought was as impressive as anything they did on Saturday because obviously you want to see Tennessee continue to win games, but you want to see them improve in the areas where they've struggled. And this year they really have. They've got better in short yardage. We see them picking up third and one and third and two by being able to run the ball. Then you see where they didn't really close the game out against Florida. You know, they let they let Florida have the ball a couple of possessions there where if they get a first down, you know, they don't get the ball back. And then they correct that against an LSU defense that had been playing pretty well up until they faced Tennessee. So it's not like they did this yeah. against uh, Missouri or South Carolina or somebody that doesn't have a very good defense. They did, did it against a team with some really talented defensive players. So that, you know, that's got to excite you too, just the fact that the team's improving. And because that was something under – under Jeremy Pruitt, Butch Jones, they just kind of stayed the same. They never really got any better. Uh, and certain times they regressed, certainly. But even when they, even during their good years, 2015, 2016, uh, 2019, at the end of the year, you still saw a lot of the same problems uh, week to week. And hypo's correcting those problems, it seems.
0: Absolutely. I, I do have to bring up this uh, comment right here. Danny says, I love this podcast. Thank you. Just have to inflate my ego a little bit there. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who's watching. Um, no, th- that's uh, that's a great point. The development has been incredible because they're getting better every week. It's so re- refreshing to see. That's what that's what I've loved. Yeah, there, there's there's some amount to, to criticize about Rick Barnes. You know, can't not winning in the NCAA tournament and stuff, but the way that he develops players, where dudes that you you kind of thought might be a lost cause end up being great like it's just so good to see that and and Barnes has done it a lot in his time as basketball coach and in football it's just been an that's non-existent that doesn't it has not happened with these past idiots that we had and all of a sudden guys are actually wow they're they're getting coached they're getting better it looks like they've got better at football from one year to the next what a concept um i mean and, just and, and week to week they're getting better which is just – oh, it's so nice. And and it just – it makes you feel great about having these conversations because you go like, well, if that guy takes yet another sort of step forward, it's only going to get better from here. And, uh, it's man, it's so wow. nice. How about be-
1: before we move on to uh, the Alabama game, how about – and I don't – I know Tennessee fans have mentioned it, uh, obviously, on, on Twitter and social media. I feel like outside of that, nationally, even when they talked about Tennessee – They've won these last two games without Cedric Tillman, one of the best receivers in the country, maybe the best wide receiver in the SEC. Because let me tell you, I was not impressed by Kayshawn Butte at all on Saturday. He had drops. I mean, there were some of the passes that weren't perfect throws from Jaden Daniels. We know Daniels isn't the most accurate passer in the league. But they are balls that a player that of Butte's – Uh, reputation five-star guy one of the top 10 recruits in the country when he came out uh, of high school plays that he has to make and all this hype about him being the number one wide receiver taking in the draft next year I just don't see it he's not mentally locked in the entire game he's not he's not making catches that he should make he's just he doesn't have that killer instinct it doesn't seem Um, I wasn't that impressed by him but as as far as Tillman which is what I really want to bring up. As good as he's been, and to not have him against Florida and LSU and to still win, especially the way they won against LSU, the other wide receivers stepping up, Jalen Hyatt becoming a go-to guy when he was kind of non-existent last year. Ramel Keaton has kind of been a slow developer, but he's he's been out there making plays. Brew McCoy has been everything you could have dreamed of him being when he transferred to Tennessee. I mean, he had, what, over 100 and some yards um, he always seems to be right there when Tennessee needs a first down. So Wonderful. the other guys have really stepped up. And just imagine Tillman comes back, how how much better the offense will look even than what we've seen the last two weeks or two games.
0: Yeah, me me and Kranto were talking about that. It, it was sort of a blessing of sorts that Tillman went out. And uh, to a couple of people asked, is Tillman playing? Uh, Cassidy said right here. Uh, Josh Eichel today indicated that he expects Tillman to play. It yeah, was, he kind of
1: acknowledged that that was the the reason he had the surgery wasn't for the LSU game. They always knew that that probably wasn't going to be the case. It was for this Alabama game.
0: Yeah, uh, they it it was always going to be three, four, five week thing. And what would this be? Three, four, four weeks. This would be four if I'm thinking correctly. Um, yeah, it
1: happened in the Akron game, which was the september 18th september 18th was the akron game so you're looking at almost four weeks the Close. game's the 15th so almost the full month
0: yeah um so it's it's about right for him to come back will he be 100 percent? this was kind of my prediction um i think he'll be available and will play some but will be limited i i think that's that's how it'll be and if he and you just you have to be careful you don't want him to exacerbate it make it worse do it again um, anything like that, and and so you got to be careful. But you just – Lord knows the kid wants to get out there and play in the biggest game that Tennessee's played in 20 years. Like, who wouldn't want to – if you're a competitor, like I'm sure these kids are, who would not want to get into the game like that. So I'm expecting him to play what he'll look like, Lord knows. Uh, but absolutely, I, you, you look at how these uh, receivers performed – with Tillman out, and and going back to that point where I said it was kind of a blessing Tillman going out, it built up this rapport with Hooker and these other guys, with Keaton, with Brew McCoy, with Jalen Hyatt. Like we all knew that these dudes were talented, but this was just two weeks of them having a coming out party. Like they suddenly, it went from Tennessee has one of the best wide receivers in America to. Tennessee has a murderer's row of receivers who will burn you a bunch of different ways, and that's horrifying. If you are an opposing defensive coordinator, how do you prepare for Tennessee at this point? And also, I I think all credit right now to uh, Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, Jalen Wright. He's still hang on to the ball. He had a fumble in that game that went out of bounds. Hang on to the ball, but otherwise, uh, playing great and playing tough and. Uh, yeah, Jabari had a couple of really nice runs and he just is, he's a step below that total breakout speed, but if he can pick up seven yards on a typical run every now and again, give you 15, 20, 30 on a run, like that's excellent. And it's exactly what he did against LSU. He put you in nice positions on second and third down when you gave it to him on first and he just really has played nice, especially since that shoulder injury. It's not that I think that the shoulder injury would just completely sideline him or anything, but he's looked better since then for some reason. And uh, I've, I've just been impressed. I I really have been. So uh, I, in whatever sense, I do think Tillman going out has, has been good for this team because it just gave Hooker that many more trusted weapons. And this offense with Hooker playing at a Heisman level, and with these dudes getting better every week and Tillman coming back, uh, your your offense, when it is chugging, is going to be borderline unstoppable no matter who you're playing. That is the situation that Tennessee finds itself in. The defense is another, is another story. and We've talked about it there. Ben, don't break and everything. Uh, but this offense, at the top end of its ability, is arguably the best offense in America. I mean, I, I don't, it's crazy. It's great. I can't believe I'm saying that, but you, you thought Eiple was going to be this offensive guy, but did I think it was going to be this great in year two? No. And, yeah. I don't think and here we are.
1: Nobody could have said that they, they saw this kind of explosion coming this soon. It was just impossible to predict. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to me. To see how Nick Saban plays Josh Eiple this time around. Uh, I think he's going to take him a little, he took him pretty serious last time, but I think he's probably going to go in with a very similar game plan as Florida. And, uh, in LSU, and if that's the case, I mean, what else? What what other kind of endorsement can you give Hyple? That's better than you force Nick Saban to change the way he coaches his team for one week. I mean, that's the best coach to ever do it, and you're impacting how he's preparing. That's that's insane to even think about. Um, the Alabama game is so it's it's gotta be the biggest game that Tennessee's played in. I don't know. I asked this question on Twitter and got a ton of responses. Most people said the 1998 national championship game, but you knew that game was big. There's, there's games that became big after the fact because of what they led to. And there's games that the importance maybe waned a bit because they lost after, but in my mind, the most important, this is the most important game since the 2001 Florida game, even though they lost the LSU in the SEC championship game after that and, and blew their chance at the national championship. That was still – I mean, that was the game that that put you on course to possibly win another national championship. Obviously, they, they didn't get the job done in the week after that. But to me, that was, that was the ma- a massive win for the program. And this game kind of feels similar to that because if you beat Alabama, okay, suddenly talking about the college football playoff doesn't just go from – it goes from a fun thing to kind of talk about like, hey, yeah, Tennessee's in the conversation to – oh, this can really happen. I mean, they can lose to Georgia, and this can still happen. I mean, that's how big this game is. And look, teams have done this before. Josh Heupel has done this before. Josh Heupel in 1999 at Oklahoma, you know, came in and went 7-6 and with a first-year head coach in Bob Stoops, and he was a transfer quarterback. And then the next year, Oklahoma shockingly wins the national championship with Josh Heupel under center. I mean, it's not unheard of for something like this to happen. Now, obviously, I still think it's a long shot, but you win the Alabama game, and suddenly it's not likely, but it's very realistic that it could happen, that they could get into the playoff.
0: I believe the first playoff rankings, is it this coming, like not this week, but next week? I think Yeah, I
1: think it's after the sixth game, sixth or, week?
0: or maybe it is. I can't, I'm not sure. Maybe somebody will um, know. You win this game, you will be in that. You will be in the top four. You will oh, yeah. be listed in the playoff. <laughs> like that's how that's... real this is. That is how real this is. Like you're on the precipice of not just like we, we had talked after last season, our sort of main talking point was let's get hypo to where he is winning nine games a year, again, nine, 10 games mm-hmm. a year again, and doing that consistently. And that would be great. And then, you know, some years you'll compete for an sec championship and, all of that, and, yeah, well, I'll I'll give him till year, year three. That's the first year I want to see that and all of this. And he's this far ahead of schedule. And not just as far ahead of schedule, but he has put this team in a position where if they win this week, they're actually going to be in the playoff conversation. It's mind-blowing. And uh, <laughs> it gives me, like, chills to think about that. But it, it really well, is. to add it's, on to that, just imagine when he's got, you know –
1: three or four top 10, top 15 recruiting classes under his belt. I mean, he doesn't even have that same talent that Butch Jones had in 2015 and 2016. Like, he's not quite there yet. That's very exciting.
0: (laughs) It's wild to think about. Because, like, think about this offense. Like, let's say Nico Yamaliyav turns out to be as good as advertised. Think about this offense with an actual strong defense. That is a horrifying football team. Like, whew. well, anyway, we're not there yet to what I just said. what Where we are is Alabama week here. And I, I think the, the main thing that makes me so excited about this is that this is nearly identical to Florida week in terms of excitement. I think it'll be knocked up even a notch from there. Um, if not a couple of notches, but you have the element of no pressure and it's not that you don't want to win this game because like we said, you win this game and you're in the actual playoff conversation. There's, I guess there's pressure that comes with that, but no one is expecting you to win this game. Like even, even Tennessee fans, I think they, they want you to be competitive. That's for sure. Do not go out and get blown out or anything like that. They want you, they want this to be genuinely competitive. But if you lose this game, it's not like every Tennessee fan's going to be like, ah, no, how did we, no one, how did we blow this again? You're not, we'll be blowing it. You're going in with the mentality of, this is all gravy. We're playing with house money. Alabama is the, I wish they were the number one team. So Tennessee, if they win, you could say you beat the number one team, but regardless, they blew that this week and they're back at number three. It's like, the, it's like the national media does it to us on purpose. They can't give us that satisfaction. But regardless, um, you know they're, they're ranked ahead of you. You're not going to drop way out of the rankings or anything if you lose this game. There's none of that. Everything is on Alabama's head here. The onus is on them. And you come in with all this excitement, everything built up, uh, 20 years of just built up angst of just, let's go out and win and tennessee never does and all of a sudden they are they are winning these games and now you have the realest of the real matchup coming to town this week and if that is not scary for alabama what scares alabama i i don't know because you have this team that in in every other game comes in extremely focused and extremely ready i don't know that i've watched a josh heupel team yet this season where i went they weren't prepared at all for this they, you know, they got blown out by Alabama last year, but it was because they ran out of players. Essentially, um, they it was a four point game going into the fourth in that game. Um, you know, there there were games like that, and uh, Georgia just outclassed you because it was one of the best college football teams, frankly, I've ever seen last year. And but otherwise, I've never looked at what this guy puts on the field and gone, what What were you doing all week? Like there were so many Bush Jones games like that, so many dueling oh, games no. like that. You were just like, what were you doing? Were you, were you even on the practice field this week? And hyped, they just come in focused, and they just come in ready. They hear, they hear the chatter, they hear the excitement, and instead of letting it get to them, they embrace it and they they use it, and it powers them instead of freaking them out. And I am just so excited. <laughs> that's that's really it. I'm just so hyped that this is the situation that Tennessee actually finds itself in. I T, TJ. Bird says, "I want to see all the cigars lit." And Nealon, this is a great point because for the first time in the Saban era, I'm going to go out and buy me a cigar before this game. I I have to because I got to be prepared because I'm not going to get stuck with one if Tennessee ends up stuck without one if Tennessee ends up winning this game. Like,
1: are you going to light it up and smoke it in your house while you do the live stream with Crofton? Would <laughs> it be worth the? The uh dissension in your household that would would occur if you did that.
0: So what I could do is this this is my front yard and go out into my front yard, smoke it out there, and I'll have the camera just like facing okay. the window. You'll see me through the window. <laughs> That's what I'll do. Um yeah, the wife would not go for that one. It's, yeah, it's, I don't think uh, so. she she doesn't care that much about the Alabama wind. It's
1: Alabama um, though, I mean, it's
0: it's huge. It is all, almost relative to my lifetime. Not once in a lifetime, but it's once in, you know, it's a 20-year flood. Like, it doesn't happen often. That's for dang sure. Um, but it it's just a crazy situation Tennessee finds itself in, and, and Alabama should be concerned whether Bryce Young plays or not. And like, how do you not just come in loosey-goosey, just ready to embrace the moment? It just feels... there's not going to be any scared in this team. It just in the past, it's been like, Oh, Alabama's coming to town. Put, put the L down already. That's that mentality. That thought's not even running through these kids head at all. There hasn't been a moment of that. And if there was, this coach wouldn't allow it.
1: And I mean, you've beat you're, you're coming off two wins against teams that beat you consistently. Okay. You've played in two pressure field games, that Florida game was probably the most pressure a Tennessee team has faced in, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's a very long time because you're favored in that game. Florida has a new head coach. They've already lost the game. Like, you, that's a game that, that Tennessee, you're better than Florida, and it's a game that Tennessee typically has lost. I mean, there's been other times they were better than Florida and lost. So there's a ton of pressure. I mean, you lose that game, that's a disappointment. That's a huge disappointment. You lose to LSU and Baton Rouge, I mean, no one – how it turned out, obviously, this LSU team's not not the best LSU team we've seen. you like, yeah, it's on the roads in the SEC. You kind of can make in it a little bit of an excuse for that. But it's still a, a pressure-packed game, and they've they've been faced with that pressure and, and handled it fine twice. So this Alabama game, you're right. The pressure's on Alabama, uh, for starters, because really, if you think about it, Tennessee has a better resume at this point than Alabama, right? I mean – Alabama's yes. beat one ranked team,
0: <laughs> Crazy. Um,
1: Arkansas is the only team that was ranked when they played them, and they're not. I think they fell out of the top twenty-five. Texas is yeah, in there
0: now. <laughs> blown out by Mississippi State,
1: right? So Tennessee's beat three ranked teams, two of them on the road this season. Um, they're scoring more points than Alabama. Their their margin of victory, and, and I believe, is uh, their point differential is is much higher than Alabama's. So. If you put these two teams, if you didn't have a name beside, you know, if you didn't have a T and an A on the helmets, or you're you're looking at Tennessee being ranked higher than Alabama, like resume wise, they should be. And I think Nick Saban knows that, and that's why we've already kind of started hearing him talk about. It. I don't know if you heard after his post game his post game press conference after the Texas A and M game. He said we have to play much better to even have a chance against Tennessee, our next opponent. I mean, to hear that kind of line coming from Saban, I mean, you know how he does with the rat poison stuff and this and that, but I, I could sense in his voice, it's like, yeah, if we play this way against Tennessee, we will get run out of the stadium. And
0: that is a crazy thing to think about. He, I mean, he knows the truth. I, and it's why I think they're so adamant in in getting young back for this game. Cause if they oh, don't, yeah. if they don't play young, a real scenario for Alabama in this game is losing by multiple touchdowns. I, I, I can't believe that's really something that I'm saying, but that's real. I think any any honest college football analyst right now that's watched these two teams play would say that. If they don't have a quarterback in there that can keep up, Tennessee will blow you out. They, you know, Josh Heupel puts that pedal to the metal, and it's over. And Saban knows that. Saban is the <sighs> greatest college football coach of all time. That's who you have coming into play. So it's not like this is going to be easy. And and it's where like I was pretty confident with this LSU game. I chose ten, I said Tennessee would win by two touchdowns. Tennessee they were similarly talented to LSU, but I think more talented ultimately. And and Brian Kelly is not a great football coach. He's just not. Saban is not that. Saban will adjust. He will do his best. He to to it. Uh, you know, do everything that he can to stop Tennessee's offense to bring it on. Uh, to bring it to Tennessee's defense. But he's not unbeatable. I mean, that's obvious. You know, you you beat, he lost to, uh, I believe, what was the kid's, uh, the Texas a m quarterback last year? Uh, Calzada, Zach Calzada. Mm. He lost to a kid that I can't remember his name, uh, <laughs> if that says anything. So he's not unbeatable. But, you know, it, a blowout's not a given here. No. But if Milro plays, it's a real possibility. It was absolutely a real possibility, uh, although it's and Ken, not
1: think, yeah. And Ken asked specifically how young, how long is Young going to be out. I think we all expect him to play. I know I that they playing. said he was lobbying to get into the game uh, against Texas A&M, and, and, and Alabama was just not going for that. But you do wonder how healthy will he be if he does play, and does he make it through the entire game? Is he limited in what he can do? You know, even a seventy percent Bryce Young is 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 a much better option than, than their backup option. But I mean, do you need a hundred percent Bryce Young to beat Tennessee? I mean, what do you need uh to keep up? That'll be even if he does play, that's something that's that's gonna bear watching throughout the entire game. Does he make it through the game? Kind of like that Tua Tua game in uh was it twenty nineteen whenever Jared Garantano went rogue at the goal line against Alabama? I know Tua kind of came out of that game in the second half, and that was part of why Tennessee was able to kind of stay in that one until late, late in the game. But I do wonder about his effectiveness, even if he does play. That's that'll be interesting Absolutely. to see. I mean, if this was if if Alabama wasn't playing Tennessee this week, if they were playing like a you know a, a non Power Five school, I don't think you'd see Bryce Young play.
0: Yes, I completely agree. And this this is a factor right here. You're you're alluding to it there, Ben Hall. He says with his injury, all it takes. Is mm-hmm. one Byron Young drilling? Which for on that point, did you know this, Zach? I was listening just to some Alabama analysis. Alabama also has a defensive lineman named Byron Young. Isn't that weird? They, they I both in the same position.
1: I think I heard that at some point and was very very confused uh, by that. I was like, is this announcer? Is it Vern Lundquist? Does he come back now? <laughs> what is what's going on there?
0: I think he's a backup interior guy. So they don't play mm-hmm. the exact same yeah. position, um, well, but. S- Regardless, they also have a Byron Young on the defensive line. Well, but
1: speaking of pass rush, that is going to be a huge key to the game: is blocking Will Anderson. I mean, he's the he's going to be a top five NFL draft pick. That guy is BJ Ojolari good and probably has first round talent. But Will Anderson is got the talent. He's put it together. He knows exactly what he's out there doing. Uh, he's locked in the entire game, and that's going to be a huge challenge for Tennessee's offensive line to to pick him up wherever he's at Uh, i don't haven't watched a ton of alabama but i assume they're going to move him around a little bit and try to try to throw tennessee's offensive line off and bring him from some different looks but that's that's gonna be tough i mean we saw them get to hendon hooker once and force a fumble Uh, florida did it once i mean it it probably will happen at some point just because it's will
0: anderson but you got to minimize that damage yeah bet best of luck guarding him you got to keep hendon from taking hits i mean as as much as I'm sure they don't want Bryce Young taking hits from Alabama's side, I mean you do not want Hooker to take big hits, and that's gonna—he's a beast to have to. Will Anderson is a beast to have to guard. So, um, but to, oh, to so finish that thought about Byron Young, I do wonder. If not a Byron Young, well, all, I guess it is. It's Bryce Young and Byron Young. There's too many B Youngs yeah. in this situation. <laughs> um, but Bryce Young injured. Probably going to be tender with that shoulder. Do they run him that much? Because that's, Mm. I almost wonder if I don't want to say this works to Tennessee's advantage. He'll hit you through the air. He's a talented passer. He's not, he's not unbelievable, but he can do it. And they have good wide receivers. Um, So do they run him that much? And how big of a factor is that? Because with Milrow, that'll be the whole game. They're going to run him all day long. It's all they could do against Texas A&M. And it worked just enough. But with Young, do they run him and eliminate that? Because if that's the case and Tennessee just gets to pin their ears back and Byron Young can try to lay a lick on Bryce Young, <laughs> um, that that's another thing that I think Alabama should be concerned about. And I don't think none of us are going to know the status of that and what they're thinking. Um but if that ends up being how Saban has to call this game, I feel like that's concerning. Yes, he's a much more talented passer, and he's a guy who can probably move the field, move the ball down the field more effectively. Even if he has to stay in the pocket, um, but ah, man, as good as Tennessee's run defense has been this year, and then now their their defensive line in terms of getting to the quarterback is getting some confidence. What was it? Six, five sacks in that game? Um, six he- and you know they're they're getting confidence that's ah that could be a golden situation too if young if they don't want to run young honestly
1: even if they do choose to run him which i don't think they will choose to run him a lot because they don't really do a lot of design runs with him as it is i mean he's not a Jaden daniels anthony richardson type guy um with that said he did rush for 42 yards against tennessee last year it was the most yards he rushed for in any game so that was exploiting a little bit of Tennessee's weakness last year. But Tennessee's obviously improved in that area. They did a pretty good job of containing Jaden Daniels. I mean, obviously, Bryce Young's a better quarterback than Jaden Daniels, but Jaden Daniels is a better runner than Bryce Young. So if they could contain Daniels, I think they'll probably do okay with Bryce Young. I think the one worry there is if you kind of get comfortable uh, with Bryce Young not running because he doesn't – that's not his first instinct. And you get in a third and 12 situation and you kind of forget about that ability of his and then he kind of burns you for you know 12-15 yards there that's you, you got to be aware of it yeah but as long as they continue to be aware of it I don't think that'll be a huge factor in the
0: game well this is another good point by Ben here he says if you're Jer- if he runs Jeremy Banks will hit him late just to tenderize him look Banks is I, already thinking about that I'm sure oh, oh he better be <laughs> frankly uh I, I'm not I will not advocate for an intentional injury. What I will advocate for is to finish your hits on this kid. It's exactly what they did before, before they actually injured Keaton Slovis. And it wasn't intentional. I don't think they were just hitting him. But uh, in that Pittsburgh game, before Slovis was injured, you could tell that they were hitting him so much and they weren't even sacking him. They, Mm -hmm. they were just finishing hits they were getting close 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 and he'll he would get the ball away and they'd finish the hit and and the you know it's a little risky you can get a roughing the passer call but they didn't in that game here with young you finish that hit and you have him if if it's still if the shoulder is still hurting him you will get him thinking uh, 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 you know oh please no i got to get the ball i got to you know kind of have him panicking not wanting to take those hits and uh so i i will absolutely advocate for that Finish those hits. Get him down on the ground. Get him here in footsteps. Get him get him scared of having that shoulder hit, and, but don't don't intentionally injure the guy. <laughs> I will not say that. There's.
1: You mentioned the the late hits and stuff. Have you really noticed, and, and anybody that's listening or watching, how much more disciplined Jeremy Banks has played this year? I mean, we really oh. have not seen those egregious penalties. I think he had a face mask penalty on on Saturday, and it was just it was a weird. He was. I don't think he was reaching specifically for the face mask. He was just trying to grab the 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 runner and pull him down, and his hand just happened to go to the face mask. And you know that that's bound to happen. You know, LSU had that happen as well. I mean they they also called a phantom one on Tennessee at one point as well. But for the most part, he has played so much more disciplined, and that again, just testament to the coaching staff. He's still playing aggressive. He's still all over the field, but he's not getting those dumb penalties anymore.
0: Danny does make a good uh, oh, yeah. point here. He says, God. you will for sure get called for roughing against Bama. Uh, that fair point. It'd be we like that Tom move- Brady. Did you see the Tom Brady call yesterday oh.
1: or on Sunday where he was just kind of a normal, typical textbook sack and they called roughing the passer as he was kicking the defender uh, off of him? That is what Alabama will get at some point, and it'll it'll be annoying, yes.
0: I, I'm expecting it. I mean, I, I remember – um, I don't remember who made the tackle, but I remember one in the last few years where Tennessee laid a hit on Young, and it was like the Tennessee defender just like laid on top of him a like a half a second too long mm-hmm. and they threw a flag.
1: I, I remember, remember that. that. Was it Darrell Middleton? Was it when he was that's still? who it was?
0: I that, yeah, I remember. I, and and he's just like a little too long on on top of the quarterback, and then you know, they got that Bama flag. It was coming out so quick. So that's true. They may want it they're they may be watching out for that, especially with young being injured. They want to make sure that the Bama's quarterback stays as healthy as possible. The other thing uh, would be the
1: pass interference calls. Kamal Haddon will probably have a couple get seven.
0: called, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or that. Um, so, yeah, the, the Bama refs are always a factor, although Texas AM got a ton of calls. Even in that Texas
1: game early in the year, there were some calls that I felt didn't go Alabama's way. So maybe there's a, a changing of the guard coming. I don't know. Maybe they're and I and I don't think that referees do that always on purpose. I don't I'm sure there's there has been rogue referees in professional sports from time to time. We we know the NBA won several years ago. I think it's just the reputation that that teams and certain players have, just like with Tom Brady and other star quarterbacks in the NFL that get some of those calls wide receivers that get those calls. I think that's the case with Alabama. Now this kind of look vulnerable. Maybe that's going to change because again, I think it's just one of those things that you you don't do on purpose. It just kind of just kind of happens because you have this natural tendency to think, okay, but that, this Alabama is really good. Um, there's no way that they just cleanly defended that pass or something like that. I, that that's just the way I've imagined these referees going about their job because look, it is their job. It's a hard job. And I think they take it very seriously and they get graded. They get critiqued. They get, you know, uh, evaluations done. They don't want bad evaluations. Nobody does, but it happens. I I think that's why I, well, I don't know. I'm sure I'll have a different tune on Saturday. If things go
0: (laughs) South from that aspect, I don't in the moment, I don't handle it that well. Yeah, we'll we'll be texting each other these effing refs. Oh yeah, yeah. I and I did see. I, I guess this is Austin probably watching the show. He said it was Darrell Taylor, oh, not, okay. not Darrell Middleton. Um, two Darrells, though. Uh, so we're we're coming up already at an hour twelve here. We should get to the actual predictions for the game. We've we've discussed a ton of it. There is just so much to discuss here because of everything that happened in that LSU game to now to mccullough being out and the whole thing. Oh, I, we should also mention hypo Day did say he expects Gerald Mincy to play in this game back even though I I would bet Crawford put in a performance that gets him a few reps um now at that left tackle spot but Regardless, um, yep, trying yep, to think if there were if there were any other major up. high points to cover before getting to the actual well prediction.
1: It is just like with the Florida weekend; it's a huge recruiting weekend for Tennessee. They've got a Ooh. lot of talented players coming in. Uh, David Hobbs, I believe, is coming back in town. Five star guy, Samuel and Pimba and Pimba. How do you yep. pronounce? Okay, I think uh, that's right. That's how i pronounce heard. Kildrick Falk, four star, committed to Florida State. Tennessee might have a good shot there, and then you got some other. Uh, Chidevi Davian Bradley will be there. Tyree be, Jalen Smith, some other guys. So another big recruiting weekend where you got some current commits there with guys that Tennessee's trying to flip. So you beat Alabama in front of that crowd at Neyland. Man, you got to feel good about Tennessee's chances to land you know some of those four and five star guys that are going to be on campus that that aren't committed or, or committed elsewhere at this point.
0: This game. If you were to win, how much does that set you apart just in terms of being an actual contender in the minds of some of those elite recruits? You become one of the it schools, kind of. Exactly. It would just be so huge. I, I actually just this morning I I took out a clip from me and Crompton's show after the game where he was talking about the the rise of Tennessee this season and how it's affecting recruiting. Um and it was it was actually great. I, I suggest everybody go watch it. The A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel, uh, you can find it there. Um, but he, you know, he basically said like it just it, it implants in your mind. It's magic. You just you get taken by it. Um, and to think what it would it was that good for Florida. <laughs> How good is it going to be for this game if Tennessee pulls this off? Oh my gosh, you gotta think that's going to take recruiting to an entire other level. If, if you're able to get yourself in the actual playoff conversation, beating Bama, I mean, good Lord. Um, but with, with all of that said, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Saturday, 3 30 PM. We have to listen to Gary Danielson speak. Uh, that'll be annoying, but won't really be a factor in how the game is played. Uh, how are you feeling, Zach? College game day will be there. SEC Network will be there. The Josh Pate Show will be there. The, everybody and their mother in the college football world will be there. It's going to be absolutely wild. Does Tennessee pull it off? How are you feeling?
1: So before the Florida game, I was very nervous because of just the implications of that game. LSU game, I was pretty nervous because I felt, again, it's a game you should win. I didn't really know how it would play out. It actually played out a lot different than I thought. I thought it would be more of a, I thought it'd be more low scoring. I thought LSU would make it uglier and tougher on Tennessee than they did. So because they surprised me against LSU, and because there's no pressure as a fan on this game, unless it gets into the fourth quarter and it's close, and then you start sensing that it's real, and that that pressure is, those nervous feelings come right back to the surface. Um, but going into the game, I feel. You know, after watching Alabama, i got to have two predictions, I think. you got to have one if Bryce Young plays and if Bryce Young doesn't play, right? Good point. If Bryce Young doesn't play, I'm with you. I think it could be a two-touchdown win because I just don't think Alabama's offense is going to be able to keep up with Tennessee's offense. And we saw last year, even when this system was kind of fairly new, they were halfway through the season when they played Alabama, they still got Alabama in conflict. They still burnt them for a couple of big plays. I mean, this Tennessee offense does work against Alabama, and we know that. And it's going to work even better this year than it did last year because they're just operating more efficiently. So if Young doesn't play, I think Tennessee wins 31-17. to I think it'll be a two-touchdown win. I think Alabama's defense is going to be able to keep Tennessee out of the 40-point range. I do think that. But I don't think they'll be able to score enough to outscore Tennessee. Young plays – the dude's a competitor. Uh even if he's not 100%, I, I, he's just been there in those big games. I, I just I think you got to go with Alabama in that in that scenario. I think it'll be close. I would have Alabama winning 27 to 20 if Bryce Young plays.
0: 27-20 if Bryce Young plays and it's uh if Milroe plays. Do we want to do we want to give an actual full prediction for both? So I think so,
1: because I think it's a completely different game. I mean, that completely changes the outlook of the game. In my yeah, opinion.
0: It, it will completely change the way Tennessee's uh, defense plays. At least it should. I mean, it's a passing quarterback versus a running quarterback. Uh, so <laughs> that's the difference. Um, I know for certain one scares me far more than the other with how good Tennessee's run defense has been. So 27-20. Uh, t- that's I, mine if, if Bryce plays. Some somebody pointed it out here in the comments. I think it was like way back. We had a ton of comments. You guys are amazing. By by the way, everybody. Some some people have already done this, but if if you're watching, go ahead and comment your your prediction for the game. We'll read them. Uh, I'll I'll go through what everybody is thinking. Um, you can give your prediction in the comments. We'll talk about them uh, after I give mine here. But way a little ways back, uh, somebody said that tenant that Alabama is weak on the back end of their defense. Um, it might've been crazy knocks right here. I don't know who said it, Um, but that they're weak in the back end of their D. I think that's absolutely true. And uh, up, up front, they're serious. You're going to have to play against Will Anderson on that offense. Um, And that is horrifying, but uh, I, I don't think he's going to destroy you. I think the offensive line will play admirably. There's just going to be, just think about how pumped up this team is going to be coming into this game. And if, if they're not, what do you? Don't let him play. <laughs> Whatever player is not pumped up for this game, don't don't let him play. So, I I think with Milrow playing, I'm with you. This is a Tennessee win. Uh, the actual score, I think Tennessee will be able to score more. I think with Milro in Tennessee, thirty eight, Alabama, twenty three. with Milrow. If Bryce Young plays, they will throw on you. This secondary, Jalen McCullough is out. Big leadership void there. Um, There are other leaders on that defense. It's not going to... As I said, I don't think it will be completely devastating or anything like that. But it's just not... If... um, if young plays well there's some conflict going on inside you right now i can I well can i i it. can i can tell you i can tell you this there is conflict in terms of just the final score i think alabama wins if young plays i do just to get to the point there but the final score i think 30 uh no i'll go i'll go 40 33 Alabama, I think Young is that much of a difference yeah. maker. I mean, he's, he won the Heisman last year. He's great. He oh, They yeah. do, they are not strong at the wide receiver positions, but, I mean, Jameer Gibbs, a monster in the backfield. That kid, he that will be the best running back that you've played all season by a long shot. Even, all, Pittsburgh has the whatever kid, a, bay, a bandaconda, um, who ran for like 350 yards this weekend, by the way, uh, in a game. Um, but I think he's the best running back that you're going to face all season. This could be the best quarterback you're going to face all season. Um, the NFL scouts would have you think that that's Will Levis, but I'm not in agreement with them. <laughs> I think I think it's Bryce Young, and he just makes that big of a difference. So I say, yeah, 40-33. If Young plays, Tennessee, they they just they just have so much more talent right now, and I feel like that could that still just finally lifts them. But if Milro plays. This is Tennessee's game to lose, I think. Uh so that's uh that's what I'll say. Uh, I I think it's it's that close for Tennessee right now. Say so
1: TJ mentions if Young plays, the deep ball's are gonna be a little harder for him to, to throw than it was before. I, I don't really want to put that into my prediction because he, I just don't know exactly what Bryce Young will. How how healthy he'll be, or if he'll be limited, or what he will or won't be able to do. And I can guarantee you, Tennessee is preparing for a fully healthy Bryce Young. They're also obviously having to prepare for Milrow as well. But if Bryce Young plays, you have to assume that he's Bryce Young and he's going to be able to do what he's done during his career at Alabama. So while I I get what TJ's saying, and I think he's probably good chance he's correct that Bryce will be limited. I don't think we can assume that because we just don't know the extent of how limited
0: he might be. Yeah my my assumption is that Bryce Young comes in near 100%. That they don't just throw caution to the wind and a 50% Bryce Young is put out there to just, you know, take a lick and have his career ruined. Yeah. Because even That's if not- even
1: if even if Tennessee if if Bryce Young doesn't play and Tennessee wins like we think they would, Alabama can still run the table. They can still win in Atlanta. I mean, they beat Georgia in Atlanta last year. They still have a very, they would still pretty much control their own destiny to get to the playoff. Now, the Tennessee loss would obviously make it a lot harder and an additional loss, which you can't rule out based on the fact that an unranked Texas A&M team almost got knocked them off. Uh, You know, that obviously not something that they, scenario they want to envision. But I don't think, I said earlier that it would be their season and if they would definitely play Bryce, I kind of still feel that they're going to do everything they can to get him on the field. But if he's not anywhere close to, you know, if he's 60%, no, you can't play him and then risk, you know, losing him for a long time. Like you said, because then your season is done. If you don't have Bryce Young, you're, you're done. You're a three or four loss team.
0: I mean, and Milrow is not bad. He just plays into Tennessee's hands. Yeah. He, he's he's the exact type of quarterback you'd want to see Tennessee play in this game where he can't throw and he can only run. <laughs> I mean, that just that's Tennessee's bread and butter on defense this year. They've just been so good with containing quarterbacks and, and stopping the run. And again, best, best running back. You're probably, uh, going to play up to this point in the season. It, well, it is. It, this will be the best running back you mm-hmm. so far the season. And so that's always a factor, but they've been so good, uh, against the run. So, um, Win, win against Milrow, loss against uh, against Young for both of us. Let's see. Brittany Campbell says adjusted prediction with Young. 38-34 vols with Milrow, 38-24 vols. TJ Bird says 40-17 if Milrow plays. Uh, where are some other ones? Mark says 38-24 vols. Then down here, he adjusted that, and he said 50-0 to zero vols. <laughs> uh, Demetric, he says 34 21 Tennessee Vols time says Tennessee 31 Alabama 24 Ben Hall says boo this man to me because I picked Tennessee (laughs) to, to lose with Bryce Young in um I appreciate all of the uh the predictions there um so many comments on the show this time there's a ton of people watching we really appreciate it guys um but I think that's it Zach any before we bounce out of here Anything else that we did not cover with this game, with LSU, with anything uh, that you want to talk about with the good folks at home?
1: I mean, I feel like I've been picking games, you know, about 10 years, 10th season, I've been doing this kind of work and I've never picked Tennessee to beat Alabama. So even though I'm picking them to barely lose against Bryce Young, the fact that I'm even picking them to win against the backup quarterback feels like. And I feel good about that pick, too. I mean, I feel really confident about that pick if Bryce Young doesn't play. I mean, that just – it's insane how far the program's come because we haven't seen a Tennessee team in year two even get close to Alabama. They've all been blowouts. The only the only coach that got real close was, was Butch Jones in year three when they should have beat in Alabama. And, and, you know, you got to go back to Lane Kiffin in his first year where they should have beat. Tennessee or should have beat Alabama if not for the blocked field goal. So the fact that Josh Heupel has this team in this position, it just it feels good. And I know there's a lot of people that are saying, "Hey, you know, we, we still got to wait and see." And I can understand that to some extent, but enjoy enjoy this. Like Tennessee's the number six team in the country. They're about to play a huge game against Alabama that they might win. And This is what you dream of. Enjoy it, embrace it. If they lose, they lose. As long as it's competitive. Somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And when Alabama and Tennessee are both at their best, this is going to be a back-and-forth series where kind of in every other year, you know, nobody wins five and six in a row anymore. And I feel like Tennessee's getting in that territory.
0: The The best thing you said there, enjoy this. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to do what I did during Florida Week 2. I'm going to go down to campus probably later this week uh, when they get everything set up for game day and whoever else is going to be there. Just gonna go see it. Just go feel the energy, take it in. Because you're everybody. Always laments the '90s where you go like, "Oh, I wish we would have appreciated that more. It was so good." The early 2000s. Oh man, what a time! Well, you're you're back. This is as long as Tennessee is winning these games and they continue on the trajectory that they're in. Um, you are here, so let's have a great time. I'm. I am. Everybody who has watched. Me at length on the stuff that I've been on. You know that I'm, <laughs> I am. What's even the word? Just a, a bitter, jaded person when it comes to Tennessee sports. Um, and I they got me believing. I'm on the train. I'm here. I I, I am like hook, line, and sinker because we've been waiting so long for this to just have have it be. Yeah, 2016 was fine. But we were already like, eh, which is okay. But like maybe we'll be Florida. I don't know. Even if we do be Florida, are we really that good? Now we're predicting that you beat Alabama. <laughs> like, what more do you need to say besides that? What more do you need to say? So well, I'm I'm soaking I, it in. And, Charlie and,
1: Charlie's endorsement means a lot because I hope so. The Titans have won three games in a row and he's still ready to fire everybody. So the fact that he believes in this Tennessee team means you should believe.
0: I need people to understand. I think the, the the people, again, the people that have watched a lot of my stuff, they know. They get that me being all in on something is a big deal. You know, like Vitello, all in on my guy. Rick Barnes even. Mm. I can't do it. I, I wouldn't say that I'm just like, Barnes is going to take us to a national championship. He has not proven himself. So like, it's that serious. Barnes won us an sec championship last year. And I'm like, eh, I want to see him win in the NCAA tournament. Like that's how jaded I am. So please understand that when I get to this point that I am just like, let's enjoy this. This is amazing. I am all in ready to go. Like, I hope that I have built a reputation that that genuinely means something. <laughs> and Brittany, thank you. Fire Todd Downing. Thank you.
1: Glad we kept the streak alive. I think you've said that on every every show so far this, this season.
0: Fire him. Ugh, get him out of the state of Tennessee. Um, man, this is so exciting. This was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, another long, long episode with a ton of people hanging out. Man, everybody... This is so great. This whole season has just been an absolute blast so far. Isn't it just so nice that we're getting to just talk about Tennessee win (laughs) instead of talking about Tennessee losing, having to rationalize, do all the blah. This is so great. Everybody, I'm just, let's kumbaya. I'm, man, this has just been so fun. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To everybody that's been watching this show, we could not appreciate it more. I just I want to be so so adamant about that i truly appreciate everybody that's been watching our numbers have like blown up and it's it's all of y'all i mean it's just people willing to listen to this nonsense that we put out there (laughs) i can't i can't emphasize how much i appreciate it so thank you um love all of you uh that is zach reagan i am charlie burris A to Z A to Z sports on uh, YouTube. Type that into the YouTube search bar, subscribe, hit the notification bell there, share, uh, like and share the show. Uh, Whoever, I I assume like more people are watching that, so they're like telling people about it. I don't know. Um, And so keep doing that. Keep, if you, if you enjoy the show, let somebody know. Uh, We, we appreciate that as much as we appreciate you watching. And uh, otherwise, um i man that's you're here you know where to find us and that you know whatever that's all zach any do you have i feel like i just ramble here at the end you just
1: enjoy the week enjoy it it's a fun one it's gonna be doing atmosphere all week
0: thanks again for watching go beat bama i want to smoke a cigar from uh, from outside of that window (laughs) on the live stream (laughs) Ah, all right Thanks again for watching, and we'll talk to y'all
1: next week. See you guys later.